That was so cool. That was fantastic. I, uh, I had to stand right there so I didn't march around, because when they were doing it in practice, I kept marching around, and it's hard not to march with a beat. Come on. Like, my goodness, that is so good. You guys wonder why I'm always excited, and this is why, because so many exciting things are always happening. Oh, where am I? Uh, good morning again. Um, we are in our second week of So This Is Christmas, and this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, if you've got a phone, you can go there, uh, or you can follow along on the screen. Uh, I'm going to jump right in and start reading. Um, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we heard, or we saw his star in its rising, and have, heard, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judah, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them, to go, asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house... They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling on their knees, they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. The word of the Lord. Amen. When I was talking to uh, Pastor Julie about this and telling her this where I was going with the wise men, and she said, yes, the wise men left, and then the wise women came, and they brought diapers and wipes and formula and... Practical gifts, because men, we're not practical. We just do whatever's put in our head to do. Um, this is an interesting section of Scripture because uh, of, of a few things. The first is that this section of Scripture presents us with really two options when it comes to Jesus. Just two options. Uh, the first is acceptance and worship. The second is rejection and fighting against his rule. These are really the, the only two options that we have when it comes to Jesus. It's acceptance or rejection. Now, we can have different pictures of Jesus, you know, depending on where you're at in your faith walk, what, what traditions or non-traditions you've grown up with. You can have different understandings. You can have different levels of knowledge. You can have different um, uh, experiences with people representing or not representing him well or seeing or not seeing the things that he's done in, in your life. But at the end of the day, when we come down to it, we have two choices when it comes to Jesus. Acceptance or rejection. That's really it. And in this passage, we see that played out very well with, with the wise men of the Magi and King Herod. And first, we have the wise men of the Magi, and their response to Christmas, their response to, to the birth of Christ was to say, so this is Christmas. Their response was to worship and accept him as the king. 
the wise men or wise men of the East. Again, wise men, magi, and uh, you know, there might have been three of them, as, as we traditionally think, because of the three gifts, but there, there really could have been two. There could have been up to ten. Uh, what they were is they were learned men in the East, probably Persia or somewhere like that. And they were in their, their workshop one night because they studied the stars. Um, so they're in their workshop doing what it is wise men do in their workshop. I don't know. Studying the stars at least, we know that much. And one of them looks out and he says, there's a new star. And his friends are like, don't be ridiculous. There aren't just new stars. But they see this new star and they realize that this is something different. This is something that has meaning. And in the ancient uh, cultures, what they believed is a new star would appear when a new king was born. So these guys had this kind of understanding, and God is speaking to them in a way that they would start to understand something different, something unique, something special was happening in their lifetime. And so they see this star, and they take some time to study it. They didn't just see the star jump on their donkeys and shoot to Jerusalem. They took about two years to try to figure out what this might mean. And we know that because of what verse 16 tells us. They took some time to study and think about it and try to figure out what was going on here, just like the Bereans in the book of Acts. They were wise because they thought about it and studied and then tried to figure out what was going on. And then they head to Jerusalem and they get there and they ask the king, where is the newborn king? They go and then they find that they they continue to follow the star. They get some more direction. They go to Bethlehem and they see the star resting over a house. And they go in and the Bible tells tells us that they're overjoyed. They go in and they worship. They bring gifts of, of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which are expensive gifts that you give to royalty. They understood, even as he was a two year old boy, that this was the king. They worshiped. Their response to Jesus was worship. And then we have Herod's response. Herod's response is not worship. When the wise men come and they they come in, and so again, you have to think about it. Herod's the king, and this, this entourage of people come in. It's probably not three. Even if it was just three wise men, they've got people with them to carry stuff. Because it takes about 30 days to get from Persia to Jerusalem. So they get there and they say, where is the newborn king? And Herod's response is, I'm sorry, what? He's the king. He's illegitimate, especially in the minds of most people, but he's the king. So to hear where is the newborn king was not something he was expecting and wasn't something he wanted to hear. He pretends to be interested, but we know that he's not. Verse, again, verse 16 tells us, Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Jerusalem who were two years old and under, in keeping with the time that he learned from the wise men. Herod's response to this news that there was a newborn king, the king of the Jews, was rage. Killed 20 to 36 children, and this is really in keeping with who Herod was. There's a commentary uh, in Daniel Dorini uh, on a Matthew commentary. It says, As a ruler, Herod was talented and vigorous, but also violent and paranoid to kill several of his sons and his favorite wife. He was rageful. He, he heard this news that there was a newborn king, the king of the Jews, and his response was rage. Because he was on the throne. Herod's understanding was, this is my throne. I'm in charge. I'm the king. 
And what Herod had to learn is the same as what we all have to learn, is that there's only one throne and room for one, and it's not us. Herod's response was rage against the fact that someone would dare claim to sit on the throne that he wanted. His response was rejection and refusal. And really, again, these are our two responses. When we, when we really boil it down, we have two responses to Jesus, acceptance or rejection. Uh, we, we, we can pretend, some would like to pretend that they can just ignore that they have to do something with Jesus, but ignoring is another form of rejection, right? To ignore something doesn't, it means you're just choosing not to do it. That's rejecting it. It's acceptance or rejectance. Elijah says to the people on Mount Carmel in the Old Testament, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. And the people couldn't answer him. Because that's, that's what he's saying there is the same thing that we're reading in this text, is that we have to make a choice when it comes to Jesus. We have to make a decision. Because at the end of the day, when we stand before God in the final judgment, that's what he's going to want to know is, what did you do with my son? Did you accept him or did you reject him? Did you worship or did you rage against him trying to take your throne? That's what we're presented with. But I said there's a couple of things in here. And and the second thing that's in here is that we are also responsible for being bearers of his light. Because if we are people who, who accept him, if we are people who say, I accept Jesus, if we are people who say, I I choose to live under the rule and authority of Jesus, if we're people who say, I choose to worship, I choose to bow down, I choose to, to trust, I choose to not just sing Christmas songs, but make it part of my life. I, I choose to not just go to church, but make Jesus the central important thing in my life. If those if that is what we choose then we are responsible for being bearers of his light. As people who follow Jesus, that is our responsibility. As as Christians, that is our responsibility. The word Christian just means those who belong to or are like Christ, right? Just like the word American. The word American means those who represent or are from America. And if anybody ever been abroad, uh, I say abroad, Canada even, I don't care. Like you go somewhere where being an American is not everything that everybody else is. When people find out that you're an American, they're like, American, right? All of a sudden, you bring something different just by people knowing that you're identified with that name. That is what we are as Christians, is we we are identifying ourselves with something greater than us, and then we have to be like the star and point to him. And I wish it was just as simple as we, we accept or we reject, because once we accept, we have responsibility. We shine for Jesus. We, we become examples and, and bear witness to his light. Just like the moon doesn't have any light of its own, it reflects the sun. We reflect the sun. And there's two ways we do this. First and foremost is with our lives. Because the way we live speaks volumes. Right? Everybody's heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. And that exists for a reason. Because the way we choose to live our life is is what we're doing is we're telling people that the statements we make, we're either validating or invalidating those statements. 
The, the actions that we choose to do, the, the way that we choose to live our lives on a daily basis is the proof of our statements. If a financial planner is broke and can't manage their money, do you trust their investment advice? If a politician's on a security council but is receiving money from a foreign entity, do we trust them? If a cop is caught with drugs, do we trust that he respects and obeys the law? If a pastor has an affair, do you trust their marriage advice? If a Christian yells at their spouse and their children all the time, do you trust that Christ can lead a home well? If a believer says they love and then gossips about everyone, do you believe that Christ cares? If you say you love Jesus and then curse out people you disagree with, do you believe Jesus really cares? The actions that we do are the proofs of the statements that we make. They tell people whether or not, not only do we actually believe what we're saying, but are we willing to follow through even when it's difficult? We talked a couple weeks ago about hypocrisy and about how we all have blind spots and miss the mark, and absolutely, but we also have to remember that our actions communicate the truth of our statements and what we really believe. In those moments where nobody else is going to know, in those moments where you could get away with whatever it is you wanted, is Christ still Lord in those moments? Because if he is, then in the moments when you're tested in front of others, he shines as well. We're not supposed to be perfect. We can't be perfect. The Apostle Paul talks about how I've not yet reached maturity, but I keep pushing forward towards the goal. We're always pushing forward, always moving, always taking those steps. We're never going to reach perfection, but we're supposed to be pushing forward because people are watching what we do. As if we make the claim of Christ, then people are watching us to say, is it true? The world is looking for a savior all over the place. I've probably said this before, like if we look at things, we see that people are looking for salvation in anything and everything they can find. And if we're going to claim that we have it, then we get to be like the star and point to him and prove it by our actions. Do we respond in love? Do we forgive? Do we help? Do we lift up others? Do we include those even that we disagree with? The way we act, the things we say, this is the love and the light that we let burn. We can do it. I mean, it, it's, it seems overwhelming sometimes, especially when you're having a rough week. It was funny, I, was, uh, I had to run up to Walmart. Because you always have to run to Walmart. Why is that? I don't understand that. That makes no sense whatsoever. How is it I go to Walmart six times a day sometimes? Like, I get home and go, <sighs> and you go back out. Always. Is, I don't know, shrinking things. I don't understand what they're doing, but it's ridiculous. Anyway, go to Walmart all the time. And, and going to Walmart's hard enough. The drive there, it's like four minutes of what is wrong with people. Amen. Yes. Green. Green means go. Can we just settle that right now? I know you guys get it, right? You, get, you guys are all awesome. But there's some people out there who need Jesus and instructions. Okay, I tell you that because I'm sitting in my truck listening to worship music because I'm a good pastor. 
and I'm listening to worship music, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, go! <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. I should have been praying for them and not being like John and his brother calling down fire from heaven. Consume the civic, Lord. I just, I get so frustrated. So then I get to Walmart and I go, okay, now I have to go into Walmart. Jesus, help me. And I run into the blockers, and he does, and I get hugs, and everything's okay, because I found friends in Walmart, and it's going to be okay. Right? Life is hard sometimes. Even the annoyances, and then the real things. Those things where, like, you hear things that you don't want to hear, and you run into situations where you can't do anything about it. There's, there's nothing you can do in this situation except bless and love. And it's in those moments that we make the choice that if we're saying we accept Christ, that if we worship the Messiah, that if we bow down before him, it's in those moments that we actually worship. Those moments when we want to yell and scream and freak out and tell somebody off or whatever it might be, it's in that moment that we actually prove that we trust Jesus and want to worship him. And we do it with prayer. We do it with, with the power of the Holy Spirit living in us and living through us. And we pray, like St. Patrick, Christ shield me today against poison, against burning, against drowning, against wounding, so that the reward may come to me in abundance. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right side, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me, I arise today. That's our goal, is we want people to see Jesus. And sometimes that means, oftentimes that means, we take up our cross and we die. That we choose to worship him, get off the throne that we don't belong on in the first place, and climb on the cross where we're supposed to be. We die to ourselves, And we prove to ourselves and the world that we do follow this one we call the king. And the second way we do it is with our truth statements. Right? People will first see how we live, and then they will evaluate whether or not we're worth listening to. Right? By, by the way we choose to live, they're going to decide if what we say has any merit and any value to it. There's a, a saying that's attributed to St. Francis that says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. And that sounds really nice, but that's not biblical, and he didn't say it. St. Francis was an avid preacher of the gospel. But he also understood, first and foremost, that the way he lives is what people are going to notice. We preach the gospel with our lives and our truth statements. Our truth statements are powerful things, and we have to know the Word of God in order to make them. We have to spend time studying the Word of God. We have to dig deep to try to let it transform us and change us. And you're never going to be perfect at it. Nobody understands all of what the Bible says. Not me, not anybody on staff, not any of the books you're going to read. Anybody who tells you they understand exactly what the Bible's talking about at all times is a liar. Because I read books all the time, like books by people who've written books that other people write books about. 
and they don't even agree on things. There are certain things we can't agree on. And, but what's most important is that we read the Bible and we let it transform us. We take time to study it and meditate on it and let it get into it so that it gets into us and changes who we are. So that our daily vocabulary is affected by the word of the Lord. Bible studies, small groups, dialogue with friends and family. These are tools that we can use to let scripture and, and tie them to our fingers, write them on the tablets of our hearts. We get into Scripture so deeply that it becomes ingrained in us and we start to say things and, 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 and speak the word of life in ways that we didn't even know we could. And that when we're in different situations, because the Bible talks about, Jesus says before he goes to heaven, that the Holy Spirit will remind you of the things I said. Of the things he said. We've got to know what he said to be reminded of them. It's the only way we're going to know it. There's, there's so many uh, studies that have been done with Alzheimer's and dementia, and, and there's a couple of things that people with Alzheimer's and dementia just somehow keep remembering, and a lot of them are music, um, ballet, uh, interestingly enough, that if somebody was a ballet student and studied ballet for years, that they can play music, and instantly, that, that there, I saw a video of a lady who was almost catatonic, and they started playing ballet music, and she just started moving. Like, her, that she used to be a ballet dancer, and she just started doing the movements in her wheelchair. Hymns. They start playing hymns, and all of a sudden, people remember all the lyrics, and they can start reciting all the songs and singing the songs. Scripture. Scripture sits in a different part of your brain that's unaffected generally, generally, I'm not a scientist, by memory loss. And it sits in there. We get into the Word of God, and we let it change us. And what it does is that, again, it validates the way we live our life. And they start to mirror each other. They start to go back and forth. They start to become together in a way that we never thought they could be. Right? Like, I'm going to pick on Chia in a good way. In a good way. Uh, everybody knows Chia's an Eagle fan, right? If you don't know, Chia's an Eagle fan. Uh, Eagles. Yeah, no, just one, the whole team. Uh, he likes that one guy, that's it, everybody else. Uh, <laughs> If he came in next Sunday wearing Cowboys jersey, right? Not only would we all rejoice and we would just, we would, there'd be a party in heaven, uh, but we'd be like, what is wrong with him? That's not who he is. That's how we are supposed to be, is that we are so dedicated, such a burning light to the Lord Jesus that when we do something that's out of that character, people are like, what is wrong? That's not who you are. That's the call to be a light. So we, we accept or reject Jesus. And then once we make that decision, we burn for him. We shine for him. We let others see him because that's what's most important. At the end of the day, I was talking to Julie the other day. Uh, we were talking about something, and I just told her, I said, you know, at the end of the day, that... Jesus is what's most important here. The kingdom is what's most important. And if we've got to lay certain things down and sacrifice certain things for the kingdom, then that's just what we do. Because I'm not going to spend an eternity in a house. I'm going to spend an eternity with my father and my maker. So we get to burn for Jesus. And, and sometimes we have to do things to kind of push ourselves forward, to like make statements that this is what I'm going to do. And that's where all these candles come in. 
Because a lot of times we'll do like a candlelight service uh, in church. And I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. But I don't think we take time sometimes to explain why we're doing something like that. So instead of everybody just having candles and you're going to hold them and you're going to sing a song and you're going to feel good about yourself, no, instead, what I'd like to do is make proof statements with our minds, with our bodies, with everything that we are. We do some things, we do things sometimes in the physical that represent something in the spiritual that we're doing. Fasting, communion, baptism. These are things that we do in the physical that make spiritual statements. Things that we do in the physical to say, I'm doing this to prove that this is real and to, to show my dedication to this thing. And so what I would like us to do is for a time of response this morning, we'll have... Um, uh, I should talk to Brad about this a little bit better. Sorry. We planned so well. Uh, we'll have somebody come up and play for just a little bit. And I want us to make a statement. I want us to make a proof statement. I want us to make a statement this morning that I choose Jesus and I choose to shine for him. That I choose Christ and I choose to be a light. That I choose him above anything and everything else. That my dedication to Christ is greater than my dedication to anything else. And a lot of times, especially in the church today, we, we do this thing where like, if somebody wants to make a decision for Christ, you make a decision right where you sit. It's just you and Jesus, and it is you and Jesus. But together, we are the church. So let me just tell you, I just, I'm, not a, I'm not a manipulative person, but I'm just going to flat out tell you here. Okay, if four of you come up and light candles, then what we're saying is we are a church of four people who are willing to light and shine for Jesus. Right? If we can turn off all these lights and nothing is seen, then we're making a statement that that's how we feel about Jesus. Because together, we are the church. Together, we are the body of Christ. Together, God works through us. It is your relationship with Jesus. It is my relationship with Jesus, 100%. But Christ has called us to be the body, not just a bunch of individual parts. So I'm asking that you will make a decision for Jesus this morning. And that decision might be the first time that you're saying, Jesus, will you be Lord in my life? Jesus, I want to get off the throne. I don't belong there anyway. Jesus, please help me make the decisions that honor you. And if you make that decision today, do not keep it to yourself. Come up, light the candle, tell somebody. We're going to have prayer teams up here. We want to rejoice with you. And maybe the decision that you make today, the choice that you make today is, Jesus, I want to shine for you. That I'm tired of just doing things and going through the motions. I want to shine. I want to burn. We've got two candles on the end. We've got one lighter, because, uh, again, we planned so well. Uh, then we've got these. These I like. So because these light quickly. You can put it in there. You get a flame. <laughs> Cut that out the recording, would you? <laughs> Listen. There's a spiritual lesson there. Sometimes the devil tries to blow it out. <laughs> but the fire's still going. You light the candle. Then you can give it to somebody else. You can pass it along. You can blow it out. I don't really care. We're making this statement to say, Jesus, you're Lord. 
Jesus, I choose you. Jesus, I want you and I want to burn for you. So I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up. Karen's coming up. Yeah, rock on, Karen. And we're just going to take a couple minutes to just let it happen. Right? Again, and there's no pressure. If you don't want to come up and light a candle, don't come up and light a candle. I ask that you would. Don't not do it because you feel nervous. Don't not do it because of any reason other than you just don't want to burn for Jesus. Make your statement. But I'd ask that you make a statement for him this morning. Jesus, we come before you humbly. We come before you open-hearted and open-handed. Jesus, we come before you and just ask that you would do what only you can do. Lord, if there's anybody in this room who doesn't know you, who has not made that choice for you, I pray that they come forward now, that you soften their heart and push them forward. Bring them forward to confess that you are Lord. Lord, I don't want anybody to go home today. If they, if they were supposed to come and acknowledge that you are Lord Jesus, Give them courage, give them strength, give them conviction, whatever it is they need to confess that you are Lord. Lord, let us light a candle and make a statement that we will burn for you, that we will be dedicated to you, that we will shine for you so that when others see it, they can find you. Jesus, you're what we want, what we desire. Let us burn for you. And in burning for you, let the world see that you are worth it. We love you, Jesus. Amen.